0: Hey
1: there, Knicks fans. How are you doing today, tonight, wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this? Um, it's another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. So, um, yeah, yeah. This one comes after not the best Nick's effort so far this year. Uh, but luckily, I don't have to commiserate on this one alone. Um, I have joining me uh, someone who I'm very happy to welcome back to the pod. He, I think the last time you were on, I'm pretty sure they got their ass kicked then, too uh michael lania uh are you a bad luck charm that's my first question to you michael
0: uh i think i think it's kind of a two-way street i think the last couple times like the first time i came on was the double overtime loss to chicago and the second time was the i believe the game in orlando but after those two games i'm pretty sure in the in the games after those i think the knicks picked up a little bit so hey right if 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 you're a tank fan though you probably don't want me on, but here I am, so. It really
1: it, it does get into some mind games because it's like, you know, do we want the team to start playing that much better? I don't know. <laughs> um well, well, so let's let's do this. Um I mean, this was a blowout obviously. If anybody watched the game, they know. Um I would actually say this might have been their their least competitive game um of the entire of the entire season. I know Whatever the final score was, I don't even really care. Um, the The game got out of hand by the end of the first quarter. I think they were down by 14. They could not stop Philadelphia, who was just moving all over the court, moving without the ball. They were getting open looks. They were hitting their open looks. And the Knicks were not getting great looks. And the ones that were kind of great, um, they were missing. Um, before we get to our little gimmick for tonight, which uh, involves some question and answer, uh, what overall impression or do you have any overall impressions from this game?
0: Uh, I, I think you hit it on the head that this was probably their least competitive game of the season from start to finish. They were clearly outplayed on the road against a really good team, but... Still, this was definitely one of their worst efforts, especially, I think, on offense they were worse. Uh, As a game, the first quarter defensively is pretty bad, but I think they were a little bit better defensively after that. Robinson made some plays. Frank had some decent moments on defense, but offensively they just couldn't hit anything. They were in, like, the single digits shooting the three throughout most of the first three quarters until they hit someone garbage time. So offensively is pretty bad, but I think the thing that worries me the most about a game like this is that We did see Frank and Knox get out there and get some opportunities to shoot the ball. And Frank in particular, he got aggressive a few times, got some good looks, but most of them weren't even close. So it's nights like this that make you really kind of worry about Frank when he is getting some touches and he is putting the ball up and he's not getting it done in terms of putting points on the board with the opportunities that he gets. And distributing, too, didn't do that much of that. And with Knox as well, he, too, got some looks at the hoop, and especially late in the game, had a couple of looks uh, near the rim where he, I don't even think he hit the rim in a couple, so it, some nights like this, I mean, of course you expect to have them, these are two of the youngest players in the league, in Knox and Frank, but still nights like this where they are get because that's one of the things that we complain about the most with these guys, that they don't get their minutes, or they don't get their looks at the hoop, especially with Frank, but games like this where they do get those looks and then don't deliver can be a little bit frustrating, but Obviously, with the season, still got to have some patience. But on a night like this, it, things weren't dropping for anybody, and it did extend to the young guys that we are most excited to watch this year.
1: So so why don't we start there? So to preface this, uh, at, I think, halftime, when it was very clear that this was not going to be a game that uh, warranted much discussion, I sent out a tweet and asked if anybody had any questions uh, that wanted – that they wanted to be answered on uh, this podcast to submit them. And I think uh, at press time, I have about 50 responses to that tweet. 49 um, right now. I would say of those 49, about half, if not more, involve Frank Milikina. You can't overstate it enough. He dominates the conversation with the Knicks. It's fa- It really is fascinating, you know, to the point that, you know, Michael, I don't know if you listened to the pod that me and JB had Ian Begley on. Um, at the end of it, we, we were, you know, getting ready to let him go because we had agreed upon, like, a certain time. And he's like, oh, I wanted to talk about Frank because he's, like, the hot topic of discussion. Um, and at this point, it seems like mainly it's a matter of the, like the, the the discussion with Frank always changes in terms of like what the focus is on. And it seems like right now it's on is David Fisdale and, or are David Fisdale and his staff developing him properly? And I, I think we got several different versions of that question. So I'm going to pose that to you. Do you think they're developing him properly? And if not, what would you change?
0: I think that getting him some looks off ball playing – and like uh, Clarence Gaines actually put out a really a really interesting long thread on Twitter about uh, Frank, his recent game against Detroit and his development a little bit. And he's been playing some three and a lot of off the ball. And long term, I don't think that's where he belongs. But like Fizdale has said a lot of times this season that he's just going to throw a lot of stuff at the wall. He's going to try this. He's going to try that. And he's, he's going to try everything. That's what we're seeing uh, from going with Dotson and just he's playing well, benching him for Mario, and, which obviously isn't good. But And the point is that Fisdale is trying a lot of different things. He knows that this is a developmental year. So I think it's interesting to get Frank some looks off the ball because uh, his general best skills make you kind of interested to see what he could do there, his spot-up shooting ability, uh, his his ability to defend multiple positions. So I think it's a good idea to get some looks there. But long-term, I do think that the Knicks would be better off to try and develop Frank as a point guard because his passing ability looks really great his driving ability, and as as much as he struggles with being aggressive at times, the thing that Frank can do really well when he flashes the most is when he is driving to the hoop and using his length to try and weave his way through traffic and drive and kick and get create offense off of that, either as a scorer or as a passer. Right. So I think that, obviously, point guard is the long-term position where you want to see him thrive, especially on the defensive end, shutting down the Steph Currys, Damian Lillards so of the world, those kind of players. So I do think long term you do want to see him at point guard so I hope they don't go with this experiment too long especially since he's not playing well uh in his current role so I definitely would like to see Frank shifted more into an every night starting role just let him go through the ups and downs even though uh Fisdale does want to get scoring from the guard position with Trier and Burke but now we're starting to see a really isolation heavy offense obviously the Knicks have been at the bottom of of the league in assists all year and that's not improving at all with Frank not getting minutes at point guard, so I think that I'd eventually like to see him get starters' minutes, start some games, play the point. But uh, I can see what Fizdale is trying to do with him right now. So let's so let's talk about this for a sec
1: because you, you mentioned <laughs> this idea that that he's he's putting aside for the fact even whether or not he's going to be a long term point guard or not. Um, because I think I I don't think that. Decision is even a decision that can be made right now, as much as you know. We we obviously may want to know that. I I don't think it's it's possible. Um, I think it's about just getting the guy comfortable in just his own skin on the floor. And I think we've seen at times this year he has been comfortable in his own skin, and at other times he has not. And they started him out, you know, starting in the starting lineup on the wing. Then he moved over to the point guard position again, starting, and then he moved over to this wing role off the bench, and that's where he's been now for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This was his ninth game, basically being the you know small forward off the bench, if you want to say. I would say of those nine, before the Detroit game, um, there were like five games in a row where he looked good and he had his moments every game where he looked comfortable on offense and he was kind of doing his thing in his own way and then in you know Detroit last night and then Philadelphia tonight it was just he didn't get the opportunity and when he got the opportunity it looked like he was forcing it and it just looked bad i i'm starting to wonder if if there isn't maybe a little bit of they they want to run a certain type of system and the player that he's most comfortable being isn't the player that fits into the system that David Fisdale wants to run do you, do you see what I'm getting at there
0: yeah definitely I could see your point because especially like we said just who he's featuring at the guard spot Burke and Trier they're score first guys so uh, I I know that fans obviously have a lot of problems with it, and I do too. It's definitely uh, an extreme lack of ball movement, a t- and that's what's going to happen when you have guys like that. The Knicks don't really have a pass-first guard, especially with Moutier, who's kind of had to take on a scoring role with their problems at the guard spot. So I yeah. think that there's definitely some potential for that to be part of the problem, Frank, not being a fit with what Fisdale wants to do. I just
1: you know, because he it's funny because he says Mudiay is he he likes him because he's his best passer, and I think it he he the word that he that comes out of his mouth more than any other, I feel like is aggressive. Whether it's you're a point guard or you're you know whoever he wants his players to be aggressive, and Frank it's he's admitted as much. It's not his natural tendency to be aggressive. You know, it's I forget I was reading something earlier. Oh, in our Slack channel earlier today, I think it was Vivek was you know making a like a Boris Diaw comparison about how when Boris Diaw was in Atlanta, um, who was it? Mike Woodson, ex Knicks coach. Mike Woodson, what like told him he always was telling him like shoot more. We want you to shoot more, and then eventually Diaw was like, I can't play for you. And then he went to the Spurs, and it was this beautiful offense with just tons of ball movement and this very egalitarian um, system. And obviously, Diaw, thrived there. I, you know, the, the league has changed a bit since those Spurs teams obviously were were winning. Um, I just looked up before they're getting blown out tonight. Um, I not to say that that style of play can't work anymore. I but it seems like Fisdale favors something that it's like okay, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to attack the basket and we're going to use that attacking mentality to try to generate open looks. And that seems to be the system he wants to play and if Frank doesn't naturally fit into that system as a lead ball handler, you know, I I just I, I'm 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 not sure what they're going to do. I don't know what the answer is. Can he adjust? Should Fisdale adjust? Should it be somewhere in between? I mean, can we even answer these questions right now? I'm, I'm genuinely at a loss.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think part of the potential answer to that question is what we're seeing right now. I think that a lot of what you're saying is potentially right. And I think that could be a big reason why we're seeing a lot of Frank off the ball and playing big minutes with Trier, with Burke, with Moutier, uh where he's not the primary ball handlers. A primary ball handler so I think that we could be seeing a lot of those experiments right now trying to get Frank to develop into that spot up shooter who could benefit from the creation of other guys who are driving instead of the guy who's doing the creating himself so I think that we could be seeing that experiment but eventually and especially as the Knicks start to struggle some more obviously they just had uh, the win streak a couple of games ago but this is now back to back pretty decisive losses so we'll see how much they continue to struggle but the thing with Fizdale is that as much as he's trying different things, he is still trying to win games. He's not forcing Knox in there, forcing Frank in there, or Dotson. He is trying to win games, uh, at least to some extent. So I think uh, once, if, if the Knicks start to slump a little bit more, and if Moody cools down, Burke cools down mm-hmm. su- significantly, especially if they're scoring, then maybe we could start to see Fisdale just feature Frank and try to get him into that role. But Like you said, I think it's clear with Frank when you watch him. Aggression is not his thing, and and this is something that he has to work on. So, And I think the only way he's going to be able to do that is by getting to play that point guard role and adjusting to it. So hopefully eventually we get to see Frank in that role. I guess I'll give it to Fisdale at this point. I could see what he's trying to do, but definitely eventually I think the best thing for Frank, especially if he's going to fit in with Fisdale long term and what he's trying to do on offense, eventually I think you got to get just get Frank out there at the point guard spot, I, I think Being we'll see it more. I, I, I yeah. do think we'll see it more because
1: you know he threw him out there at the point guard spot at the end of the game tonight. I, you know, didn't, it was meaningless, but you know you got to remember and a couple things. One, the last thirty games of this season, for as much as the first twenty five have been about experimentation, the last twenty five or thirty are definitely going to be about experimentation. Um, and keep in mind, the guys, I I would go so far as to say maybe. Two of the guys getting minutes right now, I don't know who they're gonna be, um, might, will not be here over those last thirty games because they'll either be traded or if maybe Cantor bought out after the, the trade deadline. So I think there's gonna be opportunities for what you're talking about, getting him more time on ball. Um I definitely think they wanna have the answer to this question kind of settled by the end of this year. Um you know, and the only other thing I'll say is like they're still getting to know each other. You know, it's like Fizz has been the coach of this team now for 20, whatever, two, 23 games. He's just getting to know Frank. Frank is just kind of getting to know him. Like, this is a long-term relationship. And and actually, this gets into the uh, another question we both agreed that we liked. Uh, we spent <laughs> spent a long time on the Frank question, but I think it warranted it. So, someone, uh, Brian, asked about our Knicks power ranking in terms of best to least valuable assets. Um, and then there was another question that was kind of related. Jonathan Marin asked if any who's untradable on this team, or who are your top five untradable guys. Um, so let me kick it to you. Just give give me your give me your power ranking, most valuable to least valuable. Give me like your top five.
0: So I think obviously KP's number one. Uh, he's not playing now, but we that's an obvious. On that. one, so just put him there. Uh, number two, it's tough. I I guess we're looking at. Based on their trade value, what other teams would be willing to give up for them? Exactly. uh, That's an interesting one. I think maybe, maybe Courtney Lee's proved enough to be that guy. And obviously, he has an injury right now. But uh, I think you look at the uncertain, the uncertainty the Knicks have with a lot of their other guys. I think uh, with Lee being one of their only proven veteran guys, I think I think he could be number two. I think the Knicks to maybe fetch a. Maybe fetch a one from a contending team with a low first round pick. Let's throw maybe but let's throw two. this in
1: there. If like obviously, if we're talking about like players on the Knicks that could right. help other teams, Courtney Lee, I think you could probably say is definitely number two in terms of like in an in a in a vacuum. If like it was the summer and it was teams like bidding for the Knicks players, right. you know Courtney Lee obviously is a nice player when he's healthy, but. You know, I'm thinking in terms of like, okay, young players, you know, guys who other teams would actually really give up some real things for. So, I mean, my number two is Kevin Knox. Um, And I, you know, to Jonathan's question, Jonathan Marin's question, KP, I think, is, you know, more or less untradeable. I think the Knicks almost kind of consider Kevin Knox their only other untradeable guy. Like, I think they're really high on his potential. Um, especially David Fisdale came out today and he said that you're not going to see Kevin Knox in the G League at all this year. Um, same thing for Mitchell Robinson. You're not going to see them in the G League at all. So I think they're, they're, they're sold on Kevin Knox, especially since it's, you know, it's Perry and, and Mills's first pick together in the draft. Um, would you, would you agree that in terms of just like straight trade value, Knox would be the number two?
0: Yeah, I think this is where this debate gets really interesting because you look at Knox and Frank. These are guys who were picked top ten in the lottery, so they have that attached to them, that potential that comes with being picked that high. But you look at the four guys the Knicks have drafted in the past couple of years, or the five if you add Dotson. The three guys who they didn't pick in the first round are the three guys who are playing the best. Mitchell Robinson, uh, Creer, undrafted. And Dotson, who they picked in the second round, those are the guys who are playing the best. And it's Frank and Knox who are really as high, as, high as their potential is. Those are the two guys who right now aren't contributing NBA players. So it's interesting. How, how much do you value the potential that Frank and Knox came with? Their physical tools, their just the, just the, uh, the tag that comes with being picked in the lottery, especially, like, you look at a Markel Fultz. As much as he struggled, he's going to attract attention because he was a number one pick. So yeah, that comes with being picked in the lottery. So it would be interesting to see how teams value that. Is the fact that Alonzo Trier has been great so far and Knox has been terrible so far, does that equalize their value even though Trier is a few years older and he was undrafted and Knox is a lottery guy? How much does their play... early in their careers, balance their value. And I think that – I really think it would equalize a little bit because they've gotten some action. You've gotten to see a little bit of what they're going to do. So to see Trier playing well, to see Mitchell Robinson playing well and some stretches from Dotson, you've actually seen flashes of these guys actually being able to do it. Whereas with it's, Frank it's and Knox – it, It's less theoretical. Right, it, yeah, right. With the even guys though, you're
1: talking about, it's more, it's more right. in theory at this point.
0: So even with Frank and Knox – the perceived ceiling is probably higher because the league-wide perception was probably, you know, universally that any team would pick those guys in the lottery, and every team in the league passed on Robinson and Trier and Dotson, so they did have that perception just recently. So I do think that uh, early season play with those guys playing well, you've seen the flashes, so I think that it could equalize value a little bit, but I think I'd agree with you. Knox is probably the number two most valuable guy because his scoring potential, his ability to be a player that matches with the NBA is about now. He's long. He's athletic. He's got a really high release point on his shot. He's a guy who has, not to compare him to KD, but that kind of scoring potential. To, no, he could he, he could, yeah. absolutely yeah, def-
1: average 20, 25 a game someday. I I think Knox is is an easy number two. I think the interesting conversation, like you just basically talked about, is between – Frank, Mitch, Trier, and Dotson. Um, you know, it's funny. Dotson's probably played the best out of the, the four of them this year, and I, I would probably uh, – I don't know that i put him last in that group, but it, to me, I think Mitch is probably my number three. The um, thing about
0: Dotson is that he's really old compared to these yeah, guys. Yeah,
1: no, he is, and, and so is – comparatively, so is Trier. I, I'd put Mitch number three. I think I'd probably – put – Frank, number four, just because, like, the defensive potential is still off the charts. And then flip a coin between Dotson and Trier. I know people are going to be like, oh, Trier's a rookie, he's, and he's he's scoring all these points. I don't know. I love Dotson's potential. I still think Dotson could be a real player on, like, a good team in this league moving forward. So, um, all right. Let's hit um, a couple more of these. I, I know we had a couple other ones. um we talked about Frank already. Somebody asked if if uh, this is one we had talked about. Uh, Brent Mascia. if you were Fizz, would you advise Frank to pull a Ben Simmons and try to get all his points exclusively from the paint? Um, I think Ben Simmons is like an alien, and he could he could roll like that. I'm not sure if there's another human being on the planet who could get all of his points exclusively from the paint. What do you do? You disagree?
0: Uh, I think the thing with Simmons is that he has the size to do it. It's obviously exactly. extremely rare. And, and the handle. Guard, uh, uh, yeah, and the handle to of a guy that big and that strong, too. He's not uh like a skinny guy. Simmons is a strong dude. So he obviously can is able to get his points in the post, finishing strong, on offensive rebounds. He can do those things. But I do think of Frank, there is a little bit of legs to the idea of kind of getting him in an attack mode to maybe kind of get some confidence going, uh maybe just kind of get some momentum. If he were focusing primarily on attacking the basket, but you know what, in I terms think of actually, just only uh, shooting twos, I think the th- the three pointer has got to be a big part of his game. And his shot does look pretty good, even though it no, hasn't it's been a good, there. It's a good shot. A nice hey, it's shot. a natural
1: right. release point. It's you yeah. know, it's I think that's all good. The thing I'm actually just thinking of as you're talking. Frank has great length, and if he is guarded by a smaller guy, when he gets in the paint and he does his, like, kind of um, in-and-out dribble and he, he extends, like, that's fine to get around or, like, get over or get past or whatever, the guy that's guarding him. The problem is the guy that's camped out in the paint is the one who usually blocks his shot. If Frank could play with KP and KP drags that big man out towards the three point line um I think that could potentially and we saw it last year obviously you know when he played with KP even though that they didn't score a ton of points together when they were on the floor but they were you know Frank was also a rookie I think if they get a little bit more experience together in a few years if you put Frank with KP and three other shooters um i I, I, I
0: kind of I dig what you're saying that he could really, he yeah. Live I mean, in the paint I think that right. I think that the KP injury kind of messes up a little bit, and it's not like and it, it's an excuse for Frank. But I mean, they definitely drafted Frank to play with him long term, just like every other player that they're adding. KP yeah. is the same. So totally, you get what KP can do. He's going to drag Bigs outside the paint. He's going to post up on the elbow and maybe create some cutting lanes. Those are the kind of things that he does. So I think. It would definitely help, and obviously last year the results weren't good for Frank either, but he was a rookie last year, a teenage rookie, so uh, it would be interesting this year had KP stayed healthy to see how Frank's development would have been different if Porzingis were still around, still playing, but he'll be back eventually, so it'll be interesting to see at that point uh, how Frank's game, how Frank adapts to him being back, uh, how he fits with Porzingis being there, because Porzingis is that kind of player. He's going to help everybody who's on the court with him because of the really unique style of play that he brings and the attention that he's going to draw from the other team's rim protectors. So I think it'll be interesting to see how Frank fits in with him. And definitely I think Porzingis' injury, if it's hurt anyone else at all tremendously, I think it's definitely been Frank because it's changed, probably changed the role that uh, he's had to play compared to what they envisioned for him playing alongside Porzingis. So it'll be interesting to see coming back. And I definitely think it's had a little bit of an impact on him changing up uh, what they drafted him to do um
1: let's do let's do one more um that I see here that uh i i hold on, let me get back to it um okay uh yes, this one, so we are nearing december fifth December fifth I believe is gonna be wednesday, so as things stand right now um Alonzo Trier uh, if nobody gets cut, is going to have to go down to the G League on uh, by, I guess, Thursday morning. Uh, next Thursday morning, so a week from today. Uh, we all know that that is not going to happen because <laughs> Alonzo Trier is going to be on this team for the rest of the year. The only question is whether they sign him to a one-year deal or they're able to get um, an additional year. The question... Uh, that this comes from alberto or albert otero excuse me not alberto albert um who do we think is getting cut or traded to accommodate trier um i'll let you take this one first and then i'll chime in
0: uh i I think it's interesting because i think the obvious answer for anyone who's been watching recently of who they would want to be cut is probably mario who's been uh, really struggling recently and really taking, you think well hold so on you think that's who people want to be will. cut no, i'm saying i think that's who people okay would people want to be cut got it right but i don't think he will because obviously uh they did he's one of their only free agent signings of any value in the off season and exactly he's getting starting minutes right now so i don't think they're going to give up on him that easily but uh who's who's it gonna be i think i guess it, this is tough i mean I'm not I'm not too versed on the contract situation, so I think So basically they, um,
1: the the two candidates that have been mentioned are either Ron Baker and Luke Cornette. The reason being they're both on expiring contracts. Um and if you waive either of them, it's not gonna obviously impact your your cap space for next year.
0: Right. So between those two guys, and I mean it's pretty much a toss up. It's not like either guys going to affect the teams here but I guess I'd go with Cornette just because the Knicks kind of have had this favoring with Baker I mean they gave him this deal that is pretty respectful for a guy of his talent level uh so I think they do like having him around and Cornette doesn't really fit in with what they're trying to do that much and doesn't seem all that close to playing even especially with the team not really having any bigs beside Cantor any true bigs beside Cantor and Robinson so uh, I'd probably go with Cornette, but I wouldn't be surprised for Baker either.
1: So the Knicks between now and uh, the morning of December 6th play two games. Uh, they play Milwaukee on Saturday and they play Monday against Washington. It Like the odds on Courtney Lee getting in – a because they're not going to be able to trade him until he gets in a game. The odds of him getting in a game and then working out a deal with someone – like unless there's a deal on the table already and the team is just like just get him in a game so we could see that he could run and jump without wincing in pain um which I I don't I don't know if that's already on the table um so I I don't think that's going to happen I think the league Situation is going to take a little bit longer to trade to play out. I do think they're going to trade him. I do think they're going to trade him sooner rather than later. I do not think it'll be before Thursday. Um, I think it's going to be Cornet too, actually. And I hate to say that because I, I kind of think Cornet is an NBA player. Um, I liked what we saw from him last year. Did you? What, what did you think of
0: him? He's interesting, you know. He's, he is He has three, which is def- definitely what your teams are looking for in most bigs. They got to be. Like Mitchell Robinson, if you're not going to shoot the three, you've got to be really special with what you're doing inside, your rebounding, shot blocking. But Cornette does have that outside shot, especially as a spot-up shooter. He looked pretty good. And his rim protecting, obviously that is not uh, his calling card. But, I mean, it's dude, not it terrible, terrible, though. I think, he, no, you no, no. know, he did that, a, he, a serviceable he, job. I think he did enough to be interesting with that three-point shot. And I honestly did think he was going to be on the roster to start the year. It's interesting that they uh, favored to go with a smaller team Leaving him off, so I do think that he'll catch on with another team, probably get some NBA minutes somewhere. But I hope so. Uh, yeah, he, he seems like a pretty good guy, and he definitely does have a modern NBA game for a big guy. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he catches on. But I think he'd probably be the pick just based on their affinity for Baker for whatever reason. Well, uh, and I love, let me, Baker. Uh, I love Baker. Let me throw but, this
1: in there real quick. Ian Bagley at the end of his podcast with us did say, I made like a, a kind of a half-hearted joke about Ron Baker, like, you know, uh, being the best clapper on the bench. And Bagley was like, you know, you may laugh at it, but they, on that team and in that locker room, they value that. They value him being like a hard practice guy, like a good guy on the bench, first guy to high-five his teammates. Like, I know, obviously someone's going to make a joke, like, yeah, is that worth $5 million? No, of course it's not worth, you know, or whatever, $4.5 But... He's there. They're paying him. Um, I don't think they're going to On a go. team
0: like this, I think, especially with him expiring anyway, I mean, if they do really value it that much, it, it's definitely worth having around. They're not trying to win. And like we just said, he's expiring. So if they think he's really that valuable, I think it's really justifiable to have him around for that. Yeah.
1: No, totally. At it's, this, I, at this. If it's between him or Cornette, yeah, I would say keep him. Um all right we we have been talking for half an hour we got through a fair amount of questions we'll try to get through even more the next time we do this um michael is there anything that you would like to plug or promote um before
0: we head out uh not really thanks for <laughs> <having me on. laughs> um i mean next film schools I, I said it every single time it's been so awesome and obviously new site update recently uh Things are going really awesome there. Comments yes, section. Oh the up up. Yep. Comments, uh, site update. So everything is awesome at KFS. And you know, the thing that's really cool about it, I think this is a great season to get it uh, kicked off with the team not playing a lot of competitive games. It kind of gives us some breathing room to develop things and kind of grow it without having the pressure of having to get things going for competitive games and a playoff race. So by the time they're good next year, we're going to be all set. I, I think that's very well put. Um,
1: anything else I wanted to say before we... Oh, yeah, I wanted to just mention in the post-game uh, press conference, that's what I wanted to say. Fisdale mentioned, uh, uh, singled out three guys for praise. Damian Dotson, uh, Mitchell Robinson, specifically his second half, and everybody's favorite Nick, Mario Hazonia. So <laughs> we'll we'll sign off by saying this. If you thought that the Knicks' uh, lineup and rotation issues were going to go away and it was gonna, you know, be at the he- at the uh, hand of of benching Hazonia, uh, based on Fizz's comments after the game today, it does not look like that's gonna be the case. So I have a feeling this these rotation questions and roster questions are going to uh, continue into the foreseeable future. But that's what we're here for to talk about it, like you just said, um, in this craptastic season that is a good one to get our get our stuff together
0: yeah definitely get our feet wet talking about get our feet wet yes what Sonya is
1: Um, right, Michael thank you so much for coming on and of course all the credit in the world goes out to you guys listening Um, I feel like I should say to subscribe and rate and review and all that stuff but by the looks of it y'all are already doing that if you're not doing it do it because why not might as well, right? Um, thank you for tuning into another episode of the Next Film School podcast. We will be back with another one very soon, and we hope you guys have a great rest of the week. Peace out.